Hey everybody, this is Lydia. You probably, no, you have heard Michael's thing because his has definitely come out because I listened to it already. But we are currently on hiatus. We are doing NPC creations, which is exciting because it's been a long time since we've gotten to create anybody new, at least like us as the players. So this will be fun. And I think too, it'll be helpful to like look more into other classes and edges and features and all that good stuff as well. Nick had for me that I was to choose a corporate thug, a cleaner quote unquote for a corporation with somewhat shady business dealings. This is also like kind of weird too to just kind of be like rambling on and on because like I get so off track with things. It's definitely been like a few weeks at least since we got them. So there's been enough time to kind of like mull some things around, even though I haven't really like looked back into the source books and, you know, figured out logistics or anything. So basically when you are hearing me talk about this stuff, it is completely like, well, not completely, but mainly like firsthand my reactions to things. But yeah, so I've had some time to kind of like mull things around a little bit as far as like backstory for my character and I think that's kind of like what helps me first and foremost as well just to kind of like figure things out before just kind of jumping into the logistics so yeah that's another fun thing too that I'm really excited for for listening back to like everybody else's NPCs and stuff it's just like hearing everybody's like thought processes processes for me I think this will be Mm, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't really say a challenge, but like I'm a very visual person. So as I've been thinking about who my character is, I've also been picturing what he or she will look like. Uh, just because like that's just part of like my character creation process in general is being able to visualize what the person looks like first and then kind of going off from there. So yeah, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. So this is kind of where I was kind of going with this before, was that like I've had some time to think things over. And so I guess I just wanted to tell you a little bit about like what I had kind of like been thinking about before and how that has changed and stuff. And so like originally when I saw like a corporate thug, my immediate reaction was some like meathead. I don't know, I guess we've kind of already encountered those types of NPCs with like the Beastmasters and stuff. So I didn't really want to do that. And then <laughs> me just being me um, also then was like, okay, well let's go with something like really different. So um, let's do like something creepy because of course that's something that's really different for me. So then like in my head, I just kind of started picturing this like really tall guy who's like kind of skeletally, but like works at a candy factory. So like low-key kind of Timmy B's Willy Wonka. <laughs> so I'm not really gonna go for that. That's another hard thing too, is that I don't really wanna create another Liliana and I don't really wanna create another Louisa. So I think that'll be interesting too, especially with it being a corporate thug. Somewhere in the middle, but not being boring. <laughs> kind of having the person be an undercover boss type of situation. So it's actually the heir to the corporation, but they're just like stupid intelligent, but just kind of doesn't care a whole lot. 
With this character especially too, I don't really want them to be either, you know, quote unquote on the good or the bad team, but just kind of in the middle. My character is between Landsmeet and Highkeep, and I had to look up these things because I actually didn't read through all of the region stuff at the beginning. I'm sorry, Nick. I'm sure it's all very lovely, and I'll read it right now. <laughs> Specifically between Lowkeep and Landsmeet. So, situated at the most easily traversed pass between the homelands of Chan and Dee, Highkeep and Lowkeep are twin towns connected by the illuminated crystal caverns. The Crystal Caverns were once terrifying caves filled with dangerous, powerful Mon, but centuries of travel between Chan and Dee have tamed the Pokemon a great amount, though several sections of the Crystal Caverns are roped off, inaccessible to those who do not have the requisite number of badges. Lowkeep is at the foot of the mountains at the end facing the Dee region. Highkeep sits facing the homeland of the Chan. Their names grew from the fact that, geographically, Dee is more than 100 feet lower than Chan. This changes the strange optical illusion that, when Passing from Chan to D, the mountains grow considerably. In culture and lifestyle, High Keep and Low Keep are fairly similar. Strict garrisons with small, sprawling towns surrounding them. And Landsmeet. Landsmeet is a bustling commerce town situated at the crossroads connecting High Keep to Illumai's Oasis, Fort Earthquake, and Aurora Heights. As a commercial town and the last safe zone of the Empire, Landsmeet is an eclectic mixture of seasoned trainers and new hopefuls, with unscrupulous merchants and ambitious entrepreneurs thrown into the mix, all wrapped up into a high-class commercial commercial finish. So it sounds like this character is definitely going to be more of Chan ancestry. What the heck is that word? So a step how is that pronounced? It's just step. A large area of flat, unforested grassland in southeastern Europe or Siberia. And now I'm looking at pictures because that helps me much more. Oh, it almost kind of looks like, at least in the U.S., when you go kind of more out west. I don't know, that's what it's reminding me of. Kind of the Dakota area, kind of like the Badlands, where you have these stretches of just very dry, dry ground. Maybe I'm completely off, but that's what it reminds me of. Okay, I'm glad that I looked that up, because I think that too will kind of play into what I am thinking here. Wow, okay, so this is actually becoming much different from what I was originally planning, and I am all for that. I dig that. And I am definitely like kind of seeing like Western style stuff now. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm digging this. I'm digging this jam. And I have no idea if that's what Nick has in mind, but it's what I have in mind. And he can do what he wants, but this is my recording at the moment. <laughs> now, so yeah, so like I'm kind of thinking like an oil Baron kind of owns this corporation. And so now it's like, so, okay. So now this is interesting. It's like originally when I was picturing this stuff, I was imagining kind of like a bigger town and not quite raw too, but still kind of like more, more industrial. But now I'm kind of picturing something that's more dilapidated almost and something that's kind of on its last legs, but there's this giant corporation that's basically keeping everything running. It's keeping the town alive. So this oil corporation is keeping the town alive, not necessarily thriving, but yeah, still alive. 
now I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want my character to be the heir of this corporation anymore because it just, the original character that I'm picturing just does not fit anymore. And now I'm almost kind of like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm also, I've had Final Fantasy 15 on my mind a lot lately. And so now I'm just kind of picturing like Hammerhead. I don't know if you guys have played Final Fantasy 15, and if you haven't, you should, because it's really good. And since the corporation is keeping this dying town alive somehow, I think that's also a really good way of just how is it keeping this town alive when it should be gone off the face of this earth and abandoned. Oh, my character is changing and I love it. <laughs> like the visual is changing and I'm so excited. I should probably actually start like looking at source books and stuff. But here I'm kind of like looking through some helpful hints and tips and stuff for character creation, which like we've been doing this for the past three years and, and I'm still just going back down to the basics, but I guess I just don't want to miss anything, especially to where it's, it is building a completely new character and I'm not really paying attention to a lot of the basics anymore with my character, which maybe I should. <laughs> I guess we'll find out as we're doing this. So anyways, there is a specific example in the uh, source book that we're using called just like the this trainer is a rough and tumble type and makes up for a lack of quick thinking and with using brute force and muscle to get their way. They are often equally brutal and callous with their opponents and other Pokemon and their own Pokemon, or they may simply want to keep up an intimidating appearance. And I kind of like more so the idea of an intimidating appearance because I just, I just don't want to create a meathead character. Intimidate and combat are their key skills. I was also suggested to me to check out provocateur oh baby we're gonna see if i know how to spell that <laughs> okay so last night i had been recording and then my computer decided that it wanted to take a long nap and restart so <laughs> thankfully i was able to save my recording before it just fully went to bed I'm just gonna pick up where I left off, I guess, which is looking at different like classes and whatnot and features and edges and just like really starting to get a little more into the nitty gritty of the character creation. And we get to be up to level 20. Oh, so another thing that I was kind of thinking about too more today, kind of more again with my character where I am straying away from the idea of having them be the heir to this like shady corporation. And now I'm kind of thinking like not a spy, but like an undercover cop. I think that would be fun. They seem like they're on the bad end, but they're actually not. And that definitely wouldn't be like L Liliana. Mentor. Preparation is half the battle. Mentors are skilled caretakers of Pokemon that know how to draw out their potential, whether by changing the nature of a Pokemon or teaching it new moves to give them an edge in battle. Ooh, Enduring Soul. That just sounds cool, so I'm gonna read that one. <laughs> a defensive class that seeks to outlast its opponents. I don't know, I like it, but I don't, because like, but like usually when I pick characters, I usually pick they're generally more on the offensive rather than the defensive, which maybe I should challenge myself to do that. <laughs> but granted, I'm not the one who has to play this, so you know what, let's put it down. <laughs> 
Ooh, Rider. One of four classes based on the four training features, Rider makes the most of agility training by playing it to the art of mounted combat. From the back of their Pokemon, they can bark orders or swat away would-be attackers that get too close. Trainer and Pokemon work in concert to create a devastating combination. I love that, especially with Old West type of feel I kind of have in my head. Sorry, Nick, if this isn't what you're thinking at all, but uh, I mean, if you want to change it, that's up to you. He has all the right since it has to work with the story, so. Oh, here's the provocateur. Mislead, frighten, and seduce. The provocateur specializes in disorienting social moves and the manipulate maneuver. Okay, so now that I have a small list of possibilities, I'm just gonna go in and look a little more into the specifics. So mentor, some people just show a natural gift for dealing with these troublesome ones. Mentor is a highly flexible support class for dealing with Pokemon with odd abilities, natures, and moveless. So I kind of like mentor in the sense that like it's very flexible class and that it is kind of more a little bit more of the defense than what I'm used to but not so much so that like they're mainly sitting on the sidelines I like that also to like a mentor for an undercover cop I don't know I guess I kind of like that writer I just love this one because they're writing on Pokemon and I just love that for the Wild West because like ponytails <laughs> back in the day, especially like I used to play Pokemon Snapshot a lot when I was a kid. I loved when we'd be going through the volcano area and there's like the wild Rapidash that would run past you. It was so beautiful. In the world of Pokemon, it's pretty commonplace for trainers to use their Pokemon to get from place to place. Anyone can, with a little practice and maybe a settle, learn to ride the Rapidash Yo to expedite those trips into town or surf on their Lapras to get to faraway islanders. Islands. Writers elevate this practice into a finely tuned combat art. Oh, I just, I really like that idea. I'm very heavily leaning towards writer, but we'll see. I'm gonna still check out Provocateur. Striking someone through the heart doesn't need a weapon. So Provocateur associated skills are charm, guile, and intimidate. And I don't know, that seems to honestly kind of both Liliana and Louisa. Obviously guile for Liliana, but then charm for Louisa and I'm trying to stray away from those two. So I think I really, I really like Mentor and Enduring Soul, but I think Writer has to be the one. I mean, especially too, when they even talked about writing Rapidash in the little description thing, I'm sold. I also need to at some point, not right now, obviously, because I'm still digging out all the stuff with my trainer, but also then to looking into what Pokemon can be written. Clearly Rapidash, but like I want to see if maybe the trainer can ride a Tauros. I, I feel like Onyx is one of them too. I don't know why that's coming to mind. And maybe that's just wishful thinking because that would be kind of cool to just like be riding on the back of a giant Onyx. I think maybe you've, I've seen that in like one of the episodes or movies or something. I don't know. But yeah, I'm excited to see what Pokemon are able to be saddled up specifically, um, especially ones that it may be kind of surprising. Anyways, so back to what I'm actually supposed to be focusing on right now, because I have the attention span of a gnat. I need to pull up Liliana so I can actually know what I'm kind of doing. Okay, so I think what I have to do first is start choosing more specific edges and features. Okay, so I get to, so 14 edges and 13 features. 
So with the writer, it was acrobatics and athletics. I'm just gonna first just pick out a few more just regular edges to kind of up my skills a little bit first. I've kind of like Beastmaster right here because you can use Intimidate instead of Command to make Pokemon obey your commands more. So like the thing that I definitely want to stay away from with like edges and stuff for my NPC is things that have more so to do with training because obviously he doesn't really need to be doing that. So I'm looking at the combat edges right now. Kind of like the idea of Iron Mind. You become aware of all attempts to read your mind with telepathy, whether the attempt is successful or not. <gasps> oh, Mountain Prowess. That has to be one. So another thing that I'm kind of trying to do with finishing out my edges is trying to find ones that the prerequisites kind of overlap. So say like, I'm trying to, let's see ones that already kind of overlap. If I've even actually, oh, okay. Kip up and nimble movement kind of overlap. I would have to raise my acrobatics some, but I would still be hitting the prerequisites for both nimble movement and kip up. I would be able then to have that higher edge, but then also be able to, I'd be able to have a higher role for that skill while also having higher edges. I'm sure I'm explaining this very poorly, but I, I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Basically just finding things that overlap so that I can spend less points and stuff on my charts so that I can have more edges and features and whatnot. So it's kind of looking like my character is going to be very acrobatic from a lot of the edges that I'm leaning more towards. So right now it's kind of looking like... <laughs> I don't want a meathead, she said. Now we're just really quick instead. Yeah, so right now I have an expert in acrobatics, adept in athletics. Those are like the two main ones that I'm really pushing for. I don't know, I guess like in my mind's eye right now, what I'm kind of picturing more is like someone, especially with Intimidate, someone like taller and kind of bulkier, more on the quiet side, definitely with the like in, in the intimidation factor too. I don't know, just kind of like a rancher. Like maybe, maybe my dude grew up on a ranch or something, or maybe like has a hobby ranch. Hobby ranch by day, undercover cop by night. Watch out, Chan region. I'm really selling it here. <laughs> so that's cool. So that's all of my edges. That only took like forever. Uh, now I have to look at features. Yay. <laughs> oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that. I still have bonus skill edges because my character is at level 20. So I have three bonus skill edges that I can still pick as well. Now I'm done with edges. Now I'm gonna move on to features. Do not eat my pen, please, little cat. Guys, I'm in a bad position. I only have six features picked out and I have 13, 13 points to give out. You know, I guess I'm gonna definitely go with the ones that I have picked out. Then I still gotta find times to do with that more. So here's something that I very much forgot to even really think about <laughs> was before when I was looking at all the different like trainer classes and everything, I was looking right at the specific features for those trainer classes as well and just completely forgot about them as i was going through just the general features so then like some of the stuff that they had was like conqueror's march or like the rider feature and they weren't listed on the general features so i was like wait where is that and i'm scanning through it scanning through it oh my gosh it's right underneath <sighs> 
so keep that in mind too when you're uh, looking at things. So this is also kind of too why that makes me a little happier that I looked at classes as like one of the first things that I did to kind of have more of an idea of what I wanted to go for because then that really helped me pick out the rest of my features, which I'm not gonna tell you and you can just listen to on the episode when my NPC comes up. So, ha, huh. suspense because you're not used to that in this show podcast. All of my features now are done as well. So that's edges out of the way and features out of the way. Skills are figured out. I think really the only things that I need to figure out now are just my character himself. Oh shoot, I also have to pick out Pokemon. Ah! <laughs> it is a lot to create a character if you haven't done it before, which I mean like obviously I have. <laughs> but it, again, it's been a while going right from the basics on up with my other characters too. I got quite a bit of help from them um, or help for them, especially with Liliana because I had never done a D&D campaign before. And I just had no idea what was going on. And even just like reading through all of the examples and everything too, it was just very confusing and very overwhelming to be figuring all of that out. Um, and Louisa too, I actually didn't even really work on her as much just because when, we're, when we were creating those secondary characters, it was, I wanna say it was around midterms for back when I was in college. I was very busy, <laughs> especially since during college too, I usually worked at least like two part-time jobs, sometimes three. I was usually in a show and full credits. Take care of yourselves if you're in college. <laughs> Don't be a workaholic. It's not good for your health. But yeah, so, with the, so anyways, it's a long ways to say that Louisa, I basically didn't really do much for her. I did very, very minimal work for her. I'm so appreciative for the help that I got. Yeah, but I'm kind of excited though too with this whole NPC creation thing because this is the first time that I'm really doing this completely by myself, which is exciting and also a little nerve wracking because I think I'm probably doing some things incorrectly. But, um, you know, we'll find out and we'll work it out and you guys will get to see the finished fruits from that, which will be very exciting. Oh, also too, just to kind of give you even more of an idea as well for just how long, even just the second recording, re for even just how long the second recording has taken. I am currently at about an hour and 50 minutes, so about two hours just for this one recording. But also too, you know, let me also say that if you're someone who's been thinking about jumping into a campaign sometime and creating your own characters and everything too. It is it is really fun to get to create something from scratch, create a new character and all of these different, very, very detailed things about the character as well. So I'd say don't be afraid of of doing that and taking that chance. And <laughs> taking that chance. I'm making this sound like it's some huge risky thing. At the very least, trying it out if you've been curious about it and you know, go from there. Because like, again, at the end of it, after you're all done with a number crunching and making sure everything matches up and you know you're not having too many features or too many edges you know and I'm purely going off of uh PTOs PTU um since this is the only D&D type of thing that I've ever done before but yeah I'd say go ahead and give it a give it a try because at the end of it all you know then you get to play a really fun game with with friends and you know, I think that's a good time. Obviously if I've been doing it for the past three years. And I, I think it'd be fun too, like, especially if you're another newcomer too. Like, whoa, calm down little lady, you're okay. 
at the nighttime zooms. You know, too, if you are a newcomer, don't don't let all don't let all of the number crunching and everything intimidate you too much. It is a lot, obviously, too. Like I said, it's going to take a bit of time. Honestly, I'd say too, if you have the chance to kind of spread out figuring everything out, I would say go ahead and do that and definitely take a lot of notes too. Anyways, I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> um, and I'm looking forward to doing more character creation tomorrow and hashing out my four Pokemon and giving you a little bit more of an idea of who this, yeah, even to me, mystery character is. Alrighty, everybody, I am back. You're not gonna be able to tell, but hello. <laughs> Maybe, maybe you took a small break at the stopping point than I did, so I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> okay, so Pokemon as mounts. Writing certain Pokemon might seem intuitive. Ponyta are obviously built for it. Others, not so much. We have included a mountable capability to mark some Pokemon that may be mountable. In the Pokedex, it has a little thing about mounts as well. Yep, so the first one too that pops up in the Pokedex is Torterra, so thing to think about for uh, me in the future. <laughs> 372 results. Most people would probably just look for the Pokemon that they want to see if they can mount. I'm going to search through the whole list because that's just the kind of person that I am. Oh, I can do mount a bull because there's another one that says like mountain. Okay, so let's see. That search list is still climbing up. At first I was like, oh, it's only like 30. <laughs> no, it's 97, which is still a lot, but it's a lot less than 372. Charizard is mountable. This is so stupid what I'm doing. Oh, you can mount a skull with how big are Skullabeats? Whoa! Oh my gosh, they're huge! Guys, they're 8 feet. They're a little over 8 feet. They're 440 pounds, my gosh. The more you know, I'm just blown away. I kind of like the idea of Skullipede. That would be a fun, cool one. Oh, so another thing too that I'm really gonna be thinking about as I'm going through these Pokemon that are mountable is obviously like what goes along with my character and kind of the backstory and stuff that I'm cooking up and then also the terrain. But we all know in the end, I'm probably just gonna be picking the Pokemon that I think are the coolest, so. <laughs> because you're totally gonna find a Skullipede on a ranch as well, you know? Ooh, Talonflame stuff. Cool. You can mount a Crobat? What? Wow, Crobat, <laughs> a Cravat. <laughs> A crowbat is 5'11 and weighs 165 pounds. So I am almost as tall as a crowbat. I'm I weigh considerably less. <laughs> you don't need to know that. <laughs> but wow, I am almost as tall as a crowbat. That is so ugly. Ew. Guys, Electros gross. I was thinking Rhyhorn, because that was one of the first that I pictured in my head too for that. Dang it, Professor Sneeze has a Doduo. Otherwise I was like, oh yeah, Dodrio. That would be so cool and fun. I don't wanna repeat Pokemon too that we already have. Which I guess then I can't choose Rhyhorn. We'll see about that. <laughs> Ooh, Noivern. That's kind of a cool one. Again, purely just going off of what looks the coolest. Like knowing my luck, we're gonna have all of these Pokemon by the time that we get to where my NPC is. <gasps> Yay, Onyx is one of them. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. I love it. On the list. On the list. Daw Rapidash. That's not even a question that that would be on my list. Hello, childhood. Honestly, I was thinking about a Camerupt too before and I was kind of picturing things. So I'm happy to see that that is a possibility for me. How big are they? Oof, those are some thick boys. <laughs> I'm gonna take that out from the recording. 
Yay, Tauros! A Boofalant. That would be kind of fun. Wow, they're both really small Pokemon. I mean, like, they're heavy, but, like, Tauros is only 4 foot 7. Boofalant is only 5'3. I mean, I suppose it's really only, like, where they're. I don't know, they're just kind of things where it's like. Picture them to be bigger. Like the size of cows. Are cows. What is the average size of a cow? Cows. <laughs> I grew up in a really agricultural setting. It's just weird because I keep basing my opinions of like Tauros and Boufflant and stuff after dairy farms and stuff that I grew up around. And then also too with like the Dakotas you have a bunch of buffaloes and stuff and buffaloes are huge. So that's why I'm kind of surprised that the Pokemon are smaller. Just because yeah I'm I, I mean I'm looking at pictures of cows right now and I mean, it definitely depends on, like, the breed that you have as well. Anyways, 4-H memories, guys. This is not anything that is necessary to be recorded, but... Salamence. Somebody has a Salamence. Satnarov. Ew, you're kind of ugly. I don't know about you, but... Also kind of dig your stats, Garchomp. If that is the commitment that I can go with, and the fact that I'm questioning it means that I should turn away. If you're not 100% on something, then you probably shouldn't do it. Okay? There's some life lessons from Lydia. <laughs> Whoa, that's a cool Pokemon. Ooh, Hydreigon. Oh man, and then I have to pick out names. Oh my gosh, there's so much building in this game. Whoa, you're super ugly. <laughs> no way. How many times am I gonna say ugly as a guy? So actually, there's only 65 things that I had to go through out of 97. So, you know, only 19 that I picked. And now I have to narrow it down more too. I kind of feel like with Tauros and Bufalon, I should just pick one or the other. Because, like, they're basically the same thing. I mean, they're even right next to each other. They're both normal types. Yeah, which, like, I don't really like normal types. <laughs> they're kind of boring with their moveless and stuff. I am going to pick one of them. I have to my destiny. Whoa! Tauros are only 100% male. So how do they make babies? I'm choosing Bufalon. Oh, I feel so bad. I love Tauros. But I'm gonna go with Bufalon. And I do feel 100% about that. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna put a little test there. And I can only pick four Pokemon. Levels 32. Um, I can have two level 33s and 135. So, 32, 33, 33, 35. I also kind of want to pick Pokemon that, like, I'm super unfamiliar with. Like, Bufalon. I knew about Bufalon, but I don't really know Bufalon. You know what I'm saying? I kind of like Scullipede. I think that may have to be one of them. Or a Skull, Scullipede? Scullipede. Scullipede. And it can climb walls. <gasps> it would be really cool if you could, like, hop on the back of a Scullipede and then it like does wall runner so you're like running up against the side of a cave or like upside down or something but you're still on his back that would be so cool and i am all for that so yeah scalpede you're in i also want to make sure that i'm not getting a bunch of pokemon of the same typing and stuff i definitely want to have one mount that's flying Ooh, i just came up with an idea is like my npc is married and his wife is like the actual rancher and he just like helps her out so there we go 
now I don't have to stay as close to the rancher eating crowbat. I feel like if I have a scolipede, I don't really want a crowbat. Just because I already got like one creepy creeper. You know what? I think I will take Rhyhorn off just because like we already have a Rhyhorn in our regular game. I wish we could pick more than just four Pokemon. It's so difficult. Man, I really want to keep Buffalant, but I also just really hate normal type. <laughs> Again, maybe that can just be his wife has a bunch of Buffalant. But then that's also why too, I kind of want to have one in the team. But I also really like Onyx, and I think that'd be so much fun to just like burst into a fight on top of a giant Onyx. Like, oh, oh. Although since I have the Rapidash, I think that can be kind of the like homage to rancher wife there. I'm just, I just don't like normal types. So I think, I'm sorry, not 100% guys. Had to come off the list. I really, really, really love that Noivern is flying and dragon type. And yeah, I already have a fire type. I think I'm gonna go with Noivern and Onyx to kind of finish up my group here. Just cause then too, I have a bit of a wider range then for Pokemon. Cause right now the typings that I have are bug, poison, flying, dragon, rock, ground, and fire. And I feel like that's a decent mixture of things. I mean, she could also be ranching Miltank, but I don't like Miltank because they look stupid, so. Bufalant and Tauros it is. Oh, Wooloo! No, we already have the Mareford. <laughs> so I have those four Pokemon cards. So now I need to put them on stuff and whatnot, so yeah. Okay, and now, but I need to make sure that I'm sticking with them that 35, 33, 33, and 32 range, so. I think Noivern has to be 35, if I'm remembering right. Oh no, Rapidash is also level 35. Oh no. <laughs> Ponyta though are still mountable, but they're also three feet, three inches and 66 pounds. Dang it. <laughs> do I want Noivern or do I want Rapidash? I really, really like Noivern. I mean, I could have a Pokemon that's not mountable too. So I could have like a little Ponyta. So usually what I do is I just like putting down all of the moves that my Pokemon are capable of having, even though you're only allowed to still have six, but then it kind of gives me a better chance to see just which out of my possible list I can have. But I'm not gonna be telling you any of the moves or abilities that I am going to be choosing because I would like that to be things. And then I will also forget what they will be. I suppose I can still look anyways. Whatever. <laughs> I kind of want all of my Pokemon to be speed demons. So I'm especially upping that up. I'm upping that up. <laughs> So I just picked out the name of my Pokemon and I'm basing that off of the natures and also I just randomly Google search Western names. <laughs> so my Scolipede is going to be Levi, which means attached or pledged to. My Noivern, whose nature is patient, is going to be named Cassidy, which is clever. My Onyx, who is um, gentle, is going to be named Ike, which means laughter. And my Ponyta, is Jesse, which means gift. Okay, so that's it for Pokemon. Pokemon actually went pretty quickly. That took about, it went pretty quickly. It took about an hour and a half. <laughs> 
which in the grand scheme of things, like, that's not, that's not too bad. And now to figure out the names of my NPC and his family, I'm looking up cowboy names. <laughs> this is so much fun. I have my character all filled out, and I'm excited to read his backstory to you, but first... I will go ahead and give you a little more information about him before I get into that. So I decided to name my character Duke Porter, and he is the ripe old age, <laughs> it's not really that old, of 43. He is six foot three and weighs about 170 pounds. I have no idea what men are supposed to weigh, but I'm going with that because I'm saying he's like kind of a bulkier dude. So if that seems like super off, Deal with it. <laughs> Duke is a tall, bulky rancher, and he has salt and pepper hair. I'm, I'm kind of thinking more kind of like super short, but like kind of cropped uh, salt and pepper hair. And he looks older than what he actually is, and that's mainly just because he's been working out in the sun for so many years. So his skin is pretty like tufted and tanned and wrinkled by now. Because he's out working, he's usually wearing kind of like more worn out clothes, so like jeans, stow-teeled boots, um, like a sun-bleached button-up shirt, and a cowboy hat, because, of course, all ranchers wear cowboy hats. Everybody knows this. <laughs> Actually, now that I'm thinking about that, that is a pretty common thing. Anyways, but yeah, and then he's got, like, <laughs> to get back to my character description, he's got, like, a little bit of, like, gray stubble around his, like, chin and, like, a little bit down his neck. So that's kind of what Duke Porter looks like. And now, to uh, give you guys a little bit of a story time, maybe if it is late at night and you are getting ready for bed, you can tuck yourself in and pretend like this is a bedtime story to you. Or, if it's the morning, uh, maybe this will be exciting and help wake you up. I know it is for me. <laughs> I'm just kidding around. I don't know. Anyways. Here is Duke Porter's background story. Enjoy, my dear friends. <laughs> Duke Porter has been a rancher since before he was born. He grew up in a hard-working and honest family that was well-respected by the people of the small town nearby. Although he was being groomed to inherit the family ranch, the new girl in school, Katie, quickly changed his mind. While he was out doing chores, all he could think of was his new friend. Sadly, someone so beautiful and adored by all seemed miles out of his league. So, Duke saddled up his father's rapidash, Bandit, to become a worthy man of Katie's heart. The first Pokemon he encountered was on complete accident, when Duke and Bandit camped near the mouth of a cave on a dark and stormy night. When he woke up the next morning, he was surprised to find a tiny Noibat nestled into his cowboy hat and sleeping soundly. She was affectionately named Cassidy after his grandmother, and joined the team after her squeaky yawn stole his heart. As Duke continued on his journey, he learned to become a better leader for his team, always making sure no one was left behind and that they were well taken care of. On days that he grew homesick, Duke would train Cassidy to make her more useful for a future ranch setting. He taught her how to be ever vigilant of danger and worked in tandem with her and Bandit to remind the little Noibat that every labor and obstacle was to be a shared burden. One day, Cassidy became agitated as Duke rode Bandit around the outskirts of a quarry. Cassidy shrieked and tugged at Duke's clothes as they made their way around. Bandit soon joined in the protesting and began to buck and stomp his hooves, nearly tossing Duke off. 
All of a sudden, tremors rolled through the earth, growing stronger at an alarming rate. It was too late to draw back from the quarry as a giant onyx barreled out of the side of a rock wall. Duke and his team watched in awe as the onyx broke in and out of stones. Cassidy flew as fast as she could to the onyx and was nearly pulverized had it not heard Duke yelling at the top of his lungs. From across the quarry, Duke watched Cassidy chitter excitedly to the onyx, push a small rock with her nose, and chitter once more. Eventually, the onyx nodded its great head and followed Cassidy back to Duke. Although he was shaking from fear of seeing such a huge and powerful Pokemon, Duke swallowed his fear and walked to the onyx. Somehow, through Cassidy's miming, Duke understood that she wanted to help the onyx with his workload. Of course, why wouldn't she? That's what Duke had taught her, wasn't it? For the rest of the day, the team moved the rocks about for a small colony of diglets that happily popped up through the ground every now and then. The Onyx and Duke were both impressed with each other, and so Duke added another member, Ike, to his team. After a few years on the road, Bandit became too old to carry on. Duke was heartbroken as he buried his father's Rapidash and decided it was time to return home. When he arrived, his family threw a huge party for him out on their ranch, and naturally the whole town was invited. Everyone reveled at his adventures, hungry to hear the next horror or wonder that would come from his mouth. All the attention eventually got to him, and he decided to take a break to be by himself. As he walked through the Toro's pasture, the silhouette of a young woman caught his eye, and his heart beat faster than any of the exciting moments he experienced on his journey. Duke imagined in his mind, as he walked towards her, how happy she would be to see an old friend like everyone else had been. Or maybe she would be so overcome with emotion, she'd fall weeping into his strong arms and kiss him. But the first thing Katie did when he tapped her on the shoulder was swing one of the strongest right hooks he'd ever been hit with. For the next hour, she scolded him for leaving the ranch he was supposed to inherit and letting Bandit die. Whenever Duke tried to explain himself, he would instantly freeze under her glare. Duke's father finally came to the rescue and pulled his son back to the party as Katie stormed away to her family's home. His father couldn't help laughing about how much Katie had missed her quiet friend. Through the years, Katie's false fury finally died down enough that Duke could ask for her hand in marriage. Together, they grew the Porter family ranch and had two children, quiet and reserved Clay and his rebellious younger sister, Blaze. However, the peaceful life Duke and Katie shared with their children didn't last for long. Strange attacks from Scullipede, one of which Duke caught and named Levi, became more and more numerous on the oil rigs around town, causing people to abandon their homes and move elsewhere. Duke, along with some other tough men and women, were recruited to protect the oil rigs, the town's main source of income. Leaving his family for extended periods of time broke his heart, but if it meant keeping them safe and the town alive, he'd buckle down and do it. Before he left, Blaze entrusted her ponytail, Jessie, to Duke as a good luck charm. Little did he know that he would need all the luck he could get in the shadows of the oil rigs. And that's it! That's it. Nick gets to take off from there. I hope you guys enjoyed Duke Porter. Be sure to keep your ears out for him in the future whenever we get to where he is supposed to be. It's kind of funny to see how much he's changed for me throughout this whole process. And like, I love that. I love when characters just kind of like create themselves. And I know too before that I was thinking like, oh, maybe he's like an un undercover cop, like sheriff type of thing. But now after like writing his backstory and getting a little bit more in detail with him, nah, I think he's just a rancher. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where Nick takes off with Duke Porter from here. Of course, as always, please comment too. Let us know what you, what you guys think of these little 
side episodes. Uh, it'll be cool to see what you guys think or different ideas that you have as well. Thank you for, for joining. I would say us, but it's just, just me today for this week. But you can find us online at tapestryradio.org slash Pokemon Rollout and on Twitter at Podcast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash PokeRollout. Um, you can join our Facebook group there in the Pokemon Tap Room. And as long as you're not a robot, Rotom, we'll approve for your request to join. And I'm so glad you guys are into it and, and are here after, you know, how many years. So it's just so much fun. Thank you guys. Thank you for being with us. I need to keep going with this closeout tag. You can also follow our network on Twitter at Tapestry Radio and check out some of the other great shows at tapestryradio.org like Intermission, uh, Michael and Ethan and Rumus Scotch, and Us Play Fiasco. Thank you to Rocco W for our theme music electric donkey muscles. And feel free to check the show notes for other music and sound effects used in this episode. Find us all on Twitter. I have the handle of LIL underscore shadow eight. Paul is at Prof Snag. Michael is at, oh, uh, I'm gonna try it, I'm gonna try it, okay. M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. I think I may have added a couple extra L's and I's, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> Did I say Nick yet? I don't think I said that yet. Epic roll Nick for Nick. And then you can also um, follow our favorite creepy Pokemon, Ellie, at Behind Your Eyelee. And that's spelled E-Y-E-L-I. And if you like what we're doing, um, please share us with a friend or retweet us. And also please rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get our podcasts. And also too, if you guys really like us and maybe have some extra Christmas dollars you still have to spend somewhere, you can always donate to us on patreon.com slash podcast And... You guys could get some cool stuff in return as well. And I will say a quick thanks to our um, faithful patrons, Asher, Nathan Jester, Michael Williams, Zara, Froxus, Forrest Trim, Joe All, Sammy, Fox Cheese, David Harshman, and Gregory Lopez. You guys are so fantastic and we cannot say it enough. We're so thankful for your support. And with everyone, we appreciate all that you, the gentle listeners, do for us. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later in tiny little pokeballs and then we get to uh, nickname you and throw you into fights but then we'll also give you treats you know all in all it's Obscurantism and Obfuscation, 
orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.